Good morning, good day. Thank you for joining today's Hereditary NGS Clinical Summit Series, first part. We're going to give all attendees ample time to join, so we're going to wait a couple more minutes, uh, moments um, before we actually get going. lovely it looks like we've reached our critical mass in that case i would like to again welcome everybody to the first part of kaijin digital insights session the hereditary ngs clinical summit series this is the first part um first off a small legal disclaimer that all kaijin products shown here are intended for molecular biology applications only they're not intended for the diagnosis prevention or treatment of a disease Today's part one uh, is under the umbrella term of closing the gap in clinical exome completeness. Um, today is going to be an, a nice round session of our experts, um, and part two will follow on November 9th, and we look forward to seeing you there. A quick few things of housekeeping before we get started. Um, all attendees will be in listen-only mode. If you accidentally get kicked out of the webinar, simply refresh the window or rejoin using the same link that has been provided to you. Um, you can see the presentations uh, in the slides panel. Um, also, if you have any questions or want uh, any additional information, feel free to type that in the Q&A uh, box panel called Ask a Question. Other windows at the bottom of your screen will be open when you click and disappear so you can modify the interface that you're looking at. Also, um, in case you want to rewatch some of the aspects of this uh, session, the webinar will be recorded. On a side note, the last session by uh, Ruth Burton and Tim Bonnard will be a, a screen share, so um, highlight the media player rather than the slide section. We have a quick poll to get started today. So I'm going to give you a couple seconds to answer the poll. Lovely. In the meantime, a little bit about Kaijin Digital Insights. Uh, it's, Kaijin Digital Insights is recognized as the leader in clinical bioinformatics solutions. One of our mantras is analyze with precision, interpret with confidence. And that's proven through three and a half million, more than three and a half million patient tests analyzed, over 26 million curated findings, more than 90,000 users worldwide, and 40 plus integrated databases. The underlying structure and our approach of Kaijin Digital Insights is the augment, augmented molecular intelligence, 
which is a combination of artificial intelligence and machine learning or natural language processing to rapidly identify relevant information. And this information then um, goes to expert, expert curators for review and validation, and they augment the information into a high quality knowledge base. A little overview of today's session, and this is today's agenda. The first session will be headed by Leif Schauser. Um, that's, in general, our secondary analysis. Then Georgia Stemulus is going to be doing our tertiary, tertiary analysis uh, talk. And then finally, uh, Ruth Burton and Tim Bonnard are going to give a presentation and hands-on demo um, on some of our database options. We'll be moving on to our first session today. Leif Schauser is our director and global product manager for CLC. He holds a PhD in plant molecular gene genetics from Aarhus University. He completed his postdoctoral training in Norwich, UK, and um, subsequently was a professor in bioinformatics at Aarhus University. Leif joined CLC in 2013 and has been part of Kaijin since the acquisition. Um, during his time at Kaijin so far, uh, Life has worked with many aspects of bioinformatics, ranging from microbial genomics and metagenomics to biomedical applications. So without further ado, I would like to kick it off to Life. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Patrick, for the introduction. So today uh, I will speak about um, uh, secondary analysis. Um, which we have uh, a solution here called the QCI secondary analysis. QCI stands for Kyogen Clinical Insights. And this solution I'm going to talk about today is the secondary analysis bit of that. Um, so we already had this. Um, but we hear a lot from clinical labs that they are not interested in having uh, deep expertise in, in secondary analysis. So they would really like to outsource this to uh, vendors, and um, that's why we built this uh, cloud-based uh, secondary analysis solution, uh, basically taking uh, samples uh, from the sequencer and uh, all the way <clears throat> to a QCI interpret, which uh, we will be talking about later. Um, these services include uh, pipeline optimizations, uh, and they are totally agnostic to whatever panels or sequencers have been used and uh, they give you really good quality and, and, and really unrivaled speed there <coughs> for the analysis part. Uh, we deliver uh, globally and have a direct upload to our service, and you can download results at any part, any, any stage. Um, and then there's the report, the clinical report that we will also talk about later. So um, the uh, secondary analysis uh, workflow can be tailored to match exactly the wet lab uh, specifications that you have uh, conducted in your lab um, so that uh, everything matches together and, and the secondary analysis uh, takes into account the uh, target regions, uh, whole exome or otherwise. <clears throat> and um, we can uh, accommodate uh, various uh, specification uh, that uh, allow for optimization of the workflows. So if there are any special requirements, I will talk to that in a second. Uh, we, can, we can take that into account. Into, uh, account, uh, into account. 
Um, and the, because it's uh, hosted by Kayagen, there's no need uh, for uh, users to have uh, local hardware other than uh, somewhere to store the FASTQ files and download the re results after um, execution. And this gives you then access to Kayagen's uh, worldwide and world-class expertise. So a little more detail on how this exactly works. Uh, the sequencing instrument is uh, assumed to be at the customer sites. Uh, there will be a, a computer attached to that where there's uh, a folder uh, that will uh, receive the sequencing files, the FASTQ files or otherwise. Um, then uh, we can uh, monitor that or, or samples can be uploaded manually or automatically to the uh, service uh, QCI secondary analysis through a, an interface, which we call QCI secondary connector. Uh, and then um, that will automatically kick off uh, the workflows uh, that uh, are specified for you specifically in your account. Um, and they have been optimized already. So then uh, every sample will be processed through one of the workflows that are available to you. Uh, and then um, the results will be available for download, uh, either the VCFs or also the BAM files, uh, QC reports, any other uh, output file that is specified by the workflow is available for download. Uh, and uh, it can also be directly uploaded <coughs> to the QCI secondary, uh, to, the S to the QCI interpret solution uh, that uh, does the interpretation. So this is a screenshot of the um, QCI connector that um, allows you to interact with the data. Uh, it uh, allows you to upload the data. Uh, it allows you to download the data. It allows you to analyze the progress of how, uh, how fast your samples have been processed, how, how far they are in the process, how, uh, how some QC metrics, how, how well did they do. Uh, and then also to upload to QCI interprets. Uh, here we can uh, see which workflows are available to you uh, and you can uh, uh, set up job automation here um, so that you don't have to uh, uh, think about uh, which samples to upload. It will simply just monitor a specific folder that uh, is specified on your site and then uh, any FASTQ file that is in there uh, will be uploaded automatically to the service and the results will be returned. Now, if you uh, want to have deep dive into your uh, data uh, anyways, uh, on a secondary analysis level, uh, you can at any time download the BAM files uh, and visualize them in the CLC genomics workbench. Uh, so here's a, a great tool for looking at specific variants. If you think there's something odd uh, with the variant or, or you want to convince yourself that this is a real variant, you can go into the read mapping and inspect it and, and, and validate your results uh, at this stage also. So more recently, we have um, introduced uh, something uh, which we call uh, Lightspeed, a new uh, way of read mapping and variant calling, which is extremely uh, 
memory and, and time efficient very, very fast, and it works on, on uh, CPU only. So uh, that's what we are using in the back end, um, and it will uh, allow you to have results uh, very quickly return. You can see a whole exome takes one minute to complete or, or two minutes on a, on a much larger, much larger data set. Um, and that compares to, uh, to uh, uh, Illumina here, uh, which has a nine minute turnaround time on this one. So it's, it's super, super fast and, and gives you the advantages of, of being, uh, uh, giving you a very fast turnaround time. And this is, of course, also available for whole genome sequencing uh, and also for somatic, if, if that's of interest. Um, <clears throat> a couple of words about the workflow optimizations. So if you have any unique re requirements, uh, then uh, we will, you know, want to know about those upfront uh, under workflow development. Uh, we need to know what is the use case. Uh, is it the liquid biopsy? Well, then we need to change the allele frequencies and, and sensitivities of the variant call. Uh, are there any hereditary inversions, uh, events that you would like to call that are not uh, of the mill standard uh, events? Then we also need to know about those uh, so we can uh, specialize uh, and, and customize the workflow to that uh, need. Uh, so we will ask a couple of questions on the tissue samples and allele frequencies needed and coverages that you expect. Um, we will ask you for the region of uh, interest uh, and and uh, and what uh, spare special reporting is needed. And then um, preferably we would like you to provide some samples that uh, reflect these uh, special needs. Uh, that could be Seracare or Verizon reference samples, just to see that uh, everything is to your liking. Uh, we can also do other panels. Uh, anything, every, everything is possible, right? Uh, TSO 500 or Agilent or uh, other ones. Uh, we we can all uh, accommodate uh, any third-party panel uh, in our analysis tools. So this uh, uh, helps you to uh, get an accurate assessment of, of complex variants. It saves time and reduces uh, the need for additional resources. And you can uh, scale up real fast uh, with the solution. Uh, just let us know how much, uh, how many samples and what throughput you expect, and, and we can uh, we can set the system up to accommodate that. So in summary. Uh, I hope I have convinced you that this uh, will simplify your secondary analysis tasks, so it will be scalable with your, your growing needs in the laboratory. Um, you can uh, let us do the customization of, of the workflows uh, to cover all your requirements. At any time, you can go in and visualize the data in the CLC Genomics Workbench, but also on open source tools. These are generic BAM files, so you can also see them in other tools. And uh, we have uh, the automation in place uh, for you to set up a sequencing run on a Friday and then come home on a come in again on the Monday and have the results uh, already uh, re presented, even in QCI interpret for, for final report generation. So right. if you want to have a, a demo here, uh, you can just ask us and, and we can set that up.
Thanks, Thank Patrick. you so much Mike, for giving an overview of uh, the QCI secondary analysis. As a quick reminder, if you have any questions on the talks or presentations, feel free to post them in the ask a question box below. We have a question here to kick it off. How many samples can I run at one time? Yes, yeah, so um, this is a very flexible system. So at, uh, at any time you can upload as many samples as, as you want. Uh, and, and then uh, they will be processed uh, uh, with as many cores that have been assigned to your account. Uh, so so in, as many samples in parallel as we have agreed on beforehand. So if you know that you have uh, big uh, peak time needs, then uh, you should uh, just uh, let us know and, and we will set up uh, more cores and assign them to your account so that they are ready for you to, to analyze as many data as you want. And then what we need to know is peak time throughput and uh, turnaround time expectations and we will set up the system accordingly. Excellent, okay. And uh, how is analyzing data with QCI secondary analysis different from anal analyzing it with the CLC Genomics Workbench? Yeah, so hopefully uh, this, this service, managed service takes uh, a lot of uh, pain from, from uh, specifying specific parameters and uh, making sure that all, all parts of the workflow play together. Uh, that, that pain of, of, of setting up the workflow and, and uh, finding the one that is needed, all of that is a little um, complex in the CLC Genomics Workbench, but it's also the CLC Genomics Workbench brings in a lot of flexibility, right? And with flexibility comes complexity, and that may be something you're not interested in, right? So. This is a really simple one-click solution, if you like, uh, that under the hood is indeed uh, running CLC, uh, but we can also under the hood deploy any other uh, software that, that may be even better suited for the specific needs that you have. Uh, so we will piece together the, the workflow as, uh, as good as uh, we deem needed for the, your recommendations, uh, requirements, and then uh, it's a one-click solution, giving you a really nice overview of all the samples that you have submitted and, and the results. Okay, nice. And uh, can I run multiple analyses on each sample at the same time? For example, to look at SNPs or CNVs? You can run uh, as, as many samples as you want, as, as I already said in the same, in the first, question and and but also you can run the same sample over again with with different pipelines uh, if you have a pipeline that is specified for one task or a second one that is doing another thing then you can run the same sample on, on both workflows uh, or you can tell us to join the workflow so that it is uh, really giving you uh, the same the, the combined results in one go and that's also possible all right nice and we have one more question here. Do I get to store my data long-term? Uh, no, this is not a storage uh, service. This is uh, only execution. We will uh, have a retention time, a retention period uh, of, of a month or two where you can uh, have the data on our system available for you to look at and, and forward to QCI interpret and download. Uh, after that, the, the data will be deleted. 
so any long-term storage is uh, expected to be taken care of on your size. Typically, we would recommend you to, to, for you to store the FASTQ files so you can always reproduce the run and, and the intermediate results. What you're really interested in is the original FASTQ file, the workflow, and uh, the report. Uh, and, and then you're ready to run it again. Because it's so uh, fast, right, you can, you can do it uh, anytime. Uh, if, you, if you think there's more to learn in a year or so, you can find old samples and run them again. All right, awesome. In that case, if we have no further questions, I'd like to thank you again, Life, for your presentation. Yep. And uh, that concludes the first part of the session. Um, moving on then, in that case, you will see a, a quick poll popping up. If you could take a few seconds to answer that, that would be delightful. The second part of our session today is uh, closing the clinical exome gap in NGS variant interpretation. Our speaker is Georges Stamoulis. Um, Georges is the Director of Global Product Management for Hereditary Disease here at Kaijin Digital Insights. He, Georges, is a molecular geneticist by training and holds a PhD in human genetics from the University of Geneva. Um, Georges has more than 12 years of experience in human genetics and genomic diagnostics. And thank you so much for being here today, Georges, and uh, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, uh, Patrick, for uh, the introduction. Um, I would like also to, to thank uh, our uh, audience uh, today that is attending our uh, summit. So um, here, uh, I just want to make sure that you see the right screen, which screen uh, Moving forward for some reason. I'm sorry about that. Let's start again. All right. All right. So let's start with a, a first introduction to the current landscape. So uh, of uh, genetic testing. There is an animation here. It's moving forward. So there are four uh, the four flagrams. Uh, the four flagrams of, uh, of ancient uh, theory of Hippocrates is that uh, there is a black bile, yellow bile, uh, blood and phlegm, which consists uh, for uh, humors, basically, that uh, gives uh, the state of disease or health status in an individual. And nowadays, the four nucleotides, basically, is uh, what uh, is uh, shown uh, in uh, what uh, the four nucleotides consist, uh, the health status uh, on, uh, excuse me, because there is a background sound here. So there is a, uh, the, the four nucleotides consist of health and disease status uh, nowadays, uh, which is a code of our DNA. So now if we look in the hereditary uh, testing field evolution, uh, since the early 2000, uh, everything, uh, everyone was testing single gene uh, disorders by testing single genes. Then we moved into the multi-gene and hotspot panels and then uh, now we are in the era of uh, multi-gene and action panels, whole exome and whole genome, as you can see here in this uh, figure. Uh, can, can you please, Patrick, confirm that uh, the audience sees this, uh, uh, this uh, slide here? Because I uh, just want to make sure that the audience sees the right uh, figure. You're on the hereditary testing field evolution. That's Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, um, and uh, the 
that the thought of the field and uh, the trend of the field basically is that we are moving towards more uh, bigger, bigger and bigger panels. And now we're whole uh, genome uh, testing, whole exome testing. And uh, very soon, uh, the multiomics approach will be uh, the approach that uh, many clinical labs will uh, follow by taking into account multiple uh, data sets, mul multiple types of information, DNA testing, RNA testing, uh, metabolomics, uh, proteomics, etc. Today, I will, uh, I will uh, try to give you an overview of... Uh, there is a problem with the presentation. It's moving very fast, the slides. Uh, so here, which slide is on now? I'm really sorry about that. I, in my screen, I see that the slides are jumping. I don't know if this is what the audience sees as well. Um, so the NGS um, uh, field, uh, so there are some some comments here that the audience cannot see the slides. There are some comments here that uh, the audience cannot see the slides. Okay, so so for, for those of you who can't see the slides, um, you you might need to just change the 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 windows that you that you have round. So the there's different panels in on twenty four, and if you can see Georgios, then you're looking at the wrong window there's a uh, another panel all right so if someone from the audience can confirm can, then you can if, see okay someone suggested that refreshing the web browser works uh, okay, so cool. apologies if there's been a little glitch in on 24 um, refresh your browser all right. So the hereditary NGS uh, interpretation uh, field uh, is uh, involved in uh, many stages of our life cycle, as you can see here in this picture, from Z to A, from zygote uh, to adult, basically. And uh, this can in include uh, the non-invasive prenatal testing, uh, but also uh, testing of Mendelian disorders in infancy and childhood, also in adolescence, uh, hereditary cancer, as well as uh, different approaches in pharmacogenomics that are now uh, really uh, evolving uh, the field. So overall, uh, the hereditary NGS interpretation is a field that uh, has many challenges and is involved uh, through uh, all uh, the different uh, stages of our uh, life cycle. Uh, but uh, with over 25,000 variants in a whole exome run and more than 3 million variants observed in a whole genome, the question that arises is how can someone confidently quickly analyze and interpret variants from NGS tests? And uh, this... Sorry, the slides are jumping over. Um, this uh, can be answered, first of all, by uh, uh, taking into account uh, the faster around time, uh, but also to make sure that someone is stay current with, uh, with uh, the uh, right uh, tools, uh, and also to make sure that uh, the frequent updates uh, of expert curation information is curated as uh, also the evidence are uh, curated 24-7. Moreover, today I will, I will try to give you an overview of our platform, which is the only interpretation platform which uh, contains the most extensive curated evidences and content from the literature in order to ensure 
high quality interpretation and how now we are combining the, uh, the manually curated content, the best in class manually curated content with uh, the AI uh, driven uh, bibliography information in order to save you a tremendous amount of time through the interpretation process. Uh, there is a glitch uh, for sure in, in the platform because I'm clicking to go next and it shows the same. Uh, Patrick, can you please move maybe the slides, maybe since you are... Yes, Georges, which, which slide would you like to show currently? Now now I'm showing a slide uh, on uh, re regarding the... Uh, it shows a report on the left and then is a blue table, so I want to go next. You see, it shows again the same one. George, are you forwarding with the arrows on the display? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it shows different. I'm not. I'm not sure what the audience can see now. Uh, that uh, what I'm seeing is. Uh, the QCI Interpret is the only interpretation platform which contains the most extensive curated evidence. I'm really uh, sorry to the audience. We will fix that very soon. Uh, that is the slide that should be displayed to the audience, yes. Yeah, but uh, when I'm clicking to go next, it mm -hmm. doesn't go next. Now now it shows I have jumped many, many slides and it goes to other slides. George, just, 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 just don't, don't touch anything for a second. I'll try and push this, push the right slide to the audience. Yeah, thank you. Except they're not seeing the right slide. Um, Georges, do you have the do you have a um, a version of the slides that we can just do through screen share? Yeah, I do. All right, so just give me a second. Screen share. So sorry, everyone, for, for for a few technical hitches on the On24 platform. Um, uh, we're live, so anything can happen. Um, bear with us. Um, we will get this sorted. And um, we, we have ample time. We're only at 10.30 European time. Uh, if we need to restart Georgios's presentation, um, can you see we, my can, screen now? we can certainly do that. Can, can you see my screen now? Or not? Uh, no, not yet. you need you need to uh, share your either the desktop or uh, just PowerPoint to um, the on twenty four platform. On twenty four is usually reliable, and it's not that... even Friday the thirteenth. But uh, there we go. What about now? Can you see my no we just see you because yeah. when you do no we, we just we can still see so when when you share your screen you should be the media player um uh will be replaced with the your your screen share it, it may be that you need to bounce your let me try to share my, the whole window the whole screen basically 
because I'm sharing entire screen here. Let's try this. I don't know what will show up here. What about now? Can you see my entire screen? Still no. No. Okay, uh, Georges, if you could just direct me when to advance to the next slide, I think I can do that for you. But it's not working. I know if you don't navigate through the arrows, though, but rather push to audience individual slides. But that isn't working because I've tried that. So you can't get slide 48 oh, on this right. on the, on yeah. the yeah. system to show up. All right. Um, uh, can we can we uh, uh, so I would I don't want to spend uh, the time of the audience here uh, Patrick can we maybe uh, start with um, teams presentation and roots and and uh, we will try to fix yeah, that in the I meantime was, I was going to yeah. suggest the same thing yeah yeah we will we, we can we can uh, change the order around yeah we are and, very sorry um, that. these things happen say technology Apologies for the problems, but uh, let's uh, let's just change things around um, yeah. uh, a little bit. We will fix that, Great. and I will present uh, just after uh, Ruth and Tim. Okay. Right. Our so we're, we're changing the the sequence of speakers on the fly. So sorry again for the technical difficulties. We're going to be advancing to the third part of our session initially. Um, which is the live demo of HMD. It's using high quality inherited disease database to enhance variant classification. Our two speakers uh, will be Tim Bonnert and Ruth Burton. Tim Bonnert heads the field uh, is the field application scientist for Kaijin Digital Insights in Europe and APEC and provides scientific support and training for customers implementing Kaijin's secondary analysis and tertiary interpretation solutions. He's based in the UK and has been with Kaijin since 2011. Also joining us uh, as a speaker is Ruth Burton. She's also a clinical field application scientist for Kaijin Digital Insights. She's been with Kaijin since 2015, and she currently supports the Kaijin bioinformatics portfolio with a focus on clinical applications. So thank you so much for being here today, and we're looking forward to your uh, HGMD demo. Okay, given the, the challenges we've faced so far, can someone let me know if you are able to see my screen? It should say, using high quality inherited disease databases to enhance variant classification as a title screen. I, I can see that, Tim. As a reminder, this will be where the media player is, where the speakers usually have their video on, rather than where the slides would be shown. Okay, great. Hopefully, you can see it. Please um, use the use the Q and A panel if things go awry again. Uh, but anyway, it's my pleasure um, to spend the next few minutes with you to tell you how and why uh, HGMD Professional, the Human Gene Mutation Database. Um, is really something that will transform the science that you are doing in your laboratory to really bring the power of uh, assessments uh, of, of content of human beings reading papers and getting accurate insights into the 
nature of those variants from different publications can be applied directly to the science and the work that you're performing. As a quick disclaimer, as always, uh, it, these uh, products are for molecular biology use and uh, are not intended for the diagnosis, prevention or treatment of a disease. Okay, so in the next 30 minutes, something like that, um, a combination of myself and Ruth will go through uh, some different aspects of HGMD uh, to introduce what HGMD is. Uh, Ruth will show us uh, a little bit about how the, uh, the, the interface looks and how the different insights of, of being able to search variants for genes to be able to annotate uh, VCF, for example, can be used using the, on, uh, using the online version of HGMD. Then I'll come back at the end and introduce a little bit about other forms of HGMD that are available, how the content and value that HGMD can bring through the online version can also be made available to you through a downloadable version, something that you can integrate and use and query and question within your own laboratories. And then uh, say I'll have a couple of use cases of, uh, of, of how that uh, can be really powerful for, for uh, being able to use that within a laboratory. So, what is HGMD Professional? It's a powerful, expertly created database to answer germline questions. So really, it's a, um, a long-standing. Many people have already heard of HGMD. It's been around for, for a good while. Um, and as part of that, it has that trust associated with it of the fact that human beings are doing the assessment clinical um, uh, specialists and uh, uh, PhD and experts in um, uh, in curation process. You know, lots of scientists, we read papers all the time, but there's an art and a, and a skill in being able to extract and accurately extract the context and content within publications and to make that in a structured way to be available to other people. Uh, so it's a database of germline mutations that have uh, had a publication that illustrates its role in an inherited disease. It uh, is updated quarterly, um, but it also um, predominantly includes the first example of the mutation and the pathological effect. It's not uh, necessarily every uh, publication that exists on a single mutation. So the emphasis is on the breadth, the, the scope of, um, uh, of variants that have been published that have an effect in an inherited disease. And uh, it's been around, as I say, for, for uh, a, quite a long time. And every year, more and more variants are, uh, are, are curated and included within the HGMD uh, uh, database itself. There are two versions. Some of you may well uh, already be using uh, the HGMD public version that's available through um, Cardiff University. That currently has about 265,000 variants across about 10,000 genes. Um, but, and there's a big but here, the HGMD public version is effectively not updated. Uh, if you look at the bar chart on the, 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 the right here, the, the blue bars uh, represent HGMD public, and the yellow are all of the variants which are in HGMD professional that are additional to those that are seen in HGMD public. If we think back uh, and, and, and notice that really HGMD 
Um, public has not really grown in size and content uh, since about 2018, 2019. You know, a lot in the world has changed in the last five, six years, uh, a huge amount. And with that, there's a huge amount of additional uh, variants that are important in the world of scientific uh, variant assessment and classification. And all of that content is only available through the professional version, which now represents about 456,000 variants in over 1,600 genes uh, as of the current release, which is the 2023.3, the 2023 .3, uh, quarter three release. So not having access to HGMD professional means that you do not have access to a wealth of knowledge of how variants may be important in the assessment and, and characterization of different diseases. Now you may say, can I, well, there's always ClinVar. I can, please do. Tim, sorry to, it's so sorry to interrupt, but I think the audience aren't quite up to date with your slides. Um, they aren't seeing the slide with the, it's stuck on the title We're really slide. doing well. I know, I'm so sorry. We're doing great today, I didn't want to we? stop your flow. Um, no, and they can't see the bar. No, chart. stop my flow. Definitely stop my flow. So, on twenty four is not our friend today. Yeah, once again, sorry for the technical difficulties. Those are the, the challenges of uh, a live demo. We haven't even got to the live demo part. So, <laughs> We're just looking at the slides at the moment. No. Um, just the black screen. <laughs> so can I ask, are you seeing HGMD professional, powerfully expert, uh, powerful expertly curated database slide? No, we're just seeing a black screen at the moment. Oh, good Lord. Okay. Um, okay. I am going to bounce my browser and hope that that comes in. If I if I if I lose you, I will join. Right. Uh, sorry again for the technical difficulties. Please uh, bear with us while we try to uh, sort out bugs that we're currently dealing with. While we're waiting okay, to- Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah yes, now we, we can hear you. Okay. And we see something happening. A slide is popping up.
Can you see a slide? We see the HGMD professional slide, um, a powerful expertly curated database to answer germline questions. Can you see if you can advance the slides, if that makes a difference? Now it looks like uh, we're advancing to a figure, HMD, a brief history and current status. I hope the audience is seeing the same thing. Excellent. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Amal, for, for confirming from the audience side. I, yeah. Um, excellent. Where was I? I was telling you how marvelous HGMD Professional is, and I couldn't show you how marvelous it is. So the content that we have in HGMD Professional, so in the graph here, the uh, um, the yellow bars represent the additional content that comes with HGMD Professional. Um, uh, really a huge amount of additional content that's available uh, within HGMD Professional, say more than five years worth of, uh, of uh, additional create, curated variants. Um, so where does that um, uh, where does that leave us? Well, it also uh, leaves us with possibility of saying, well, I could use uh, Clinvar. And hopefully you will see a slide. There are other databases that are obviously available public databases. Um, most people, many people will use Clinvar for the assessment and analysis of, of, uh, of variants. Clinvar is a fantastic resource. It has a lot of content. Uh, it also has quite a lot of noise because it's, it's uh, uh, all of the contributions to Clinvar come from lots of different people with lots of different, um, shall we say, stringencies of assessing a particular variant for whether it's, uh, and determining whether it's pathogenic or, or likely pathogenic or disease causing in some context. So there is quite a lot of noise. Um, I did a simple comparison. This is purely looking at the overlap of variants that are present in HGMD compared to the variants that are in, H in uh, ClinVar. And there's over 54% of variants which are unique to HGMD that are not present at all within ClinVar. That isn't to say that the assessments are of the ones that are the same between the two is are actually consistent or are um, uh, in any way, shape or form uh, trustworthy um, from, from ClinVar, but just the presence in ClinVar. So more than 54% of variants are unique to HGMD professional. Um, there sometimes is an argument that, well, uh, is some of the variants in uh, HGMD um, with related or are relating to um, hereditary cancer. And if you do the overlap with COSMIC, um, there are some variants, uh, again, independent um, independent of the um, the nature of the, the variant, how it's actually been assessed, but again, just the presence of the variant where there is similarity and overlap, but uh, again, more than 85% of variants are unique to HGMD. So here my audio is not brilliant either. So that's great. We're really doing well. The content, as I say, is um, uh, is is very powerful. There are different types of mutations which are listed and included within 
uh, within HGMD, a, a large quantity, obviously, of missense and nonsense mutations. But also, you'll notice that there are gross deletions um, uh, and insertions, which may be um, available for uh, and, and interesting for people that include you know, those CMV or large uh, cytogenetic changes, which have been characterized together with, obviously, the small indels and, and so on. So from a from a content perspective, so hopefully your slides will update in a second. From a content perspective, say there's more than 456 within HGMD Professional. There's more than 45,000 new mutation reports that are added each year, and, and there are over 11,500 detailed summary reports for particular mutations. Before we hopefully go into Ruth's live demonstration of HGMD, I wanted to just draw your attention to the different classes of, uh, of variants that are present within HGMD. So when our professional curators or when the professional curators of HGMD read those publications and look at the assessment of the different variants. They will be characterized according to uh, a number of different criteria. The um, sort of most, I guess, most impactful would be the disease causing, the DM mutations, which hopefully you'll see on a slide. You can see it's not coming up for you yet. get there. Uh, anyway, um, I still don't see it. There are a range of different mutations. I will talk through this and hope that Ruth has more success with her live demo and will be able to highlight some of these. So there are pathological mutations and potentially likely pathological mutations that are described within HGMD. But there are also um, a range of polymorphisms which are, uh, which are annotated, which um, provides additional insight into the association of, um, of diseases and different phenotypes um, you know, of, of uh, perhaps functional consequences. Uh, so you have that range um, of, of um, assessment types of variant classes that provide you additional insight rather than just saying, ah, yes, uh, it just has some pathological mutations in it. It has a range of different things which will give you different insights. Um, I will pause at that stage um, and hopefully come back. Um, to uh, uh, tell you more about HGMD professional download. But for now, I'd like to pass it over to, uh, to Ruth Burton, um, who's the, uh, the manager of our clinical uh, field application science team uh, within Europe and, uh, um, uh, and the global emerging markets, the GEM and APAC regions.
Okay, thanks, Tim. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I'll give it a go anyway. So let's just share my screen and see if that comes through. I'll just wait a second. Okay, that looks good. I think people are seeing, hopefully, HGMD Professional. If you don't, just let me know and I'll pause, because sometimes we just go a little bit too fast and uh, on 24 struggles to catch up. Um, so what I'm hoping to do in the next few minutes is to really show you the value of HGMD Professional and why perhaps it's worth switching to this rather than using the public version. So to try and do this, I've logged on to HGMD Professional, as you can see here, and also Let's check this goes as well to the public version. Good, good. That's a little bit slow, so I just have to make sure I pause a bit and don't carry on talking too much. But so we've got the two different versions open. Now I'm going back to professional and I'm going to start with an, e an easy search, <laughs> thankfully. And I'm just going to think, right, I want to look at a gene I'm interested in and see what variants are present in it. Is it is it a commonly mutated gene? So I'm going to go to the gene tab and let that load. And then I'm going to search for a gene. In this case, I'm interested in TGFB3. I want a gene summary, so I'm going to submit my query. And what we hopefully will see in a second on your screen is exactly that a summary of what of what HGMD professional knows about TGFB3. At a glance, we can see there are 71 mutations and I'll be adventurous and I will click on get all mutations and see if I can generate a list of all of those mutations. Let's see, that should load in a second. Good. So, this list is split into tables, and at the top, we're looking at the missense and nonsense mutations. Each variant has a unique accession number. We can see the codon and amino acid changes, as well as the HGVS nomenclature. We can also see those um, variant classes that Tim was mentioning earlier on his last slide. So we can easily see this gene contains a good number of disease-causing mutations and also likely disease-causing mutations. And what I, I do like about this table is it really gives you an appreciation of what HGMD contains. As well as these um, uh, um, uh, variant classes, we can also see the phenotypes of the disease and the that are associated with the, with the diseases and the paper from which the original information was derived. There's also additional information which can be really useful, such as um, its um, chromosomal location in HG19 and also in GRCH38 genome builds. So that could be quite good if you're switching from, you know, updating your panel design to a new genome build. You can also see whether it's been submitted to other data databases such as dbSNP and NOMAD. I, now, although these ex, these links to the exter these external databases are live, I'm not going to click on those at the moment and, and tempt fate, as we're doing quite well so far. So, saying that, I'm going to I am going to tempt fate a little bit, and I'm going to try to do the same search in HGMD Public. So, I'm going to go back 
to the public page, public site, go away from the home page and put in the same gene or want to search for what we know in the public version about TGFB3. So let that catch up. And I've just clicked on that little icon, that link for TGFB3. And now we can see the available mutations. Now, similar information is displayed, but we don't get a single display of all the mutation types together. But let's, as we were looking at the top table in the um, professional version, click on these missense and nonsense mutations and go to get those mutations. Um, so hopefully in a second, this will go through and show all of those, those 25 mutations that are in the public version. And I think we had 44 in the professional version. So again, we can see what Tim was referring to in that bar chart of how the public version is really lagging behind a bit, the professional version. Again, we see a, a, an overview of the variants. We can see their accession number, the codon and amino acid changes, and the phenotypes associated with the disorders and the original source publication. Now, I would say, looking at this table, the key piece of information that's missing from the public version is whether a variant is disease-causing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're really not seeing, like, um, like the information about the possible impact of this variant being present in the in the gene. So if we were interested in really understanding that variant in more detail, so looking at a single variant, and this perhaps can be one of the most popular ways of using HGMD, both the public and the professional version. Let's think about looking for a single mutation. So I'm going to go back to the professional version. And when that changes, that's good. I'm going to then go to the mutation tab. And there's a few different ways we can search for individual um, uh, individual mutations, individual variants. So we can look at the HGMD accession number, the codon change, the HGVS nomenclature. If you know it's DBSNP identifier, you can not use that. Or perhaps if you've done some sequencing and secondary analysis, you can use the H, um, their um, genomic coordinates. So I'm going to use the HG38 coordinates for single variant. And I'm going to put that in. And then I'm going to submit my query. And hopefully now we'll see a single variant, which we do. And if I click on the accession number, then we should be able to load up everything that HGMD Professional knows about that variant. Now, it's very tempting now to dive into all of these details, but I'm going to try and go back to the public version quickly and just do a comparison to see if we can do a similar search in the public version. So I'm going to go back to the public version. And here I'm a little bit stuck because I can search by gene symbol, gene description, the omen number, or the disease or phenotype, but I can't actually put in those coordinates. So unless I knew something like the omen number, I might be a little bit struggling. Um, so what I'm going to have to do is I'm going, now I've done my sequencing, so I know what the variant looks like. So I'm going to have to scroll through my list and try to find, this is a G to A change and I know the codon number change. So 
I can find the variant and it's actually this one at the very bottom of the list. I think your page is just catching up with that now. Um, but that's really as far as I can go. I can see the publication that this variant um, was seen in. I can see the phenotypes, but I can't, I can't really see all of that extra information that I was um, tempted to look at in the professional version. So, on, and again, we're now beginning to see the, like some of the real differences between the two versions. So I'm going to go back to the professional version um, so I can show you this page in a bit more detail. And good, that's caught up all right. So if we go back to the professional version, as well as the phenotypes, which we've been looking at quite a bit, I can see the variant is disease causing, and I can see a short sort of a line about the, um, from the associated reference. Now, there's also lots of links out on this page. So you can link out to UCSC and then CBI Genome Viewer if you want to explore the sort of the sequence around that variant. And one of the tools, and I'll scroll down a little bit here so you can see it on your screen, one of the sections that's really um, helpful in this page is all the um, information from the in silico prediction tools. So this can really help you to understand the impact of the variant. Um, so you have your in silico prediction tools and you also have um, the alignment um, across the different species. So you can see whether your variant occurs in a conserved region of the gene. So it really gives you a better understanding of the impact that the variant has, as well as just seeing this association between a variant and phenotypes that we've been able to see on the other views. Now, thinking about phenotypes, this is something that's often really, um, really, um, you know, important and um, in in understanding a hereditary disorder. And this is how a patient might present themselves to the clinic. Um, we might be thinking about um, the, that we we want to actually look to see if the phenotypes that we often see in our in our clinic um, occur, or we've seen a particular patient um, occur in other genes, or other if other variants have been associated with them. And in the professional version, you can see there is a phenotype tab. So, what we could do is we can actually start to search, and we can use Boolean terms in this. Um, uh, tab uh, in this tab as well. So I could think about the list of phenotypes that we saw associated with the TDFB3 gene in this particular variant we saw, and I could search to see, um, oops, that's not quite the one I want to do first. Let's do the, the quick one first. So I can see if I use a plus symbol between the individual terms, I could see whether all of those terms have been seen if all of these phenotypes have been seen in any other in other in any other cases um, in HGMD, so I've used list of phenotypes with the plus symbol, and I'm looking for HGMD phenotypes, and I'm going to click submit. So this will show us that no, this is the only instance where there's one mutation where all of these phenotypes have been seen together. So this is a very specific search, but if I want to make a more general list. So let's go back to the phenotype. And I actually want to say, show me genes or variants where low muscle mass, hypotonia, any of the variants have been seen, and perhaps other, other phenotypes as well. Again, remember, I'm reminding myself here, use the Boolean option, click 
submit. And then fingers crossed, in a second, you should see a broader, a broader list of genes. So then that widens your search. So using the phenotype tab and the ability to search in HGM, HGMD Professional really gives you the option to use um, a lot more of the information that's stored within HGMD. So just to keep um, you know, that thought between what can we do in the professional and what can we do in the public, let's go back to the public version. Hopefully that should catch up in a second. Ah, good. And we can see that we can search for disease and phenotype, but you can't really use these Boolean search terms. So we're sort of limited to searching one by one. So I should try that now. I shall search for an individual phenotype. And this is quite helpful. So, yep, we can see there are, what, six genes associated with this phenotype by Fid Uvula. And if we wanted to make a focus panel to look for genes, or perhaps a virtual one or, or a physical panel, we could do that here. But if you wanted to make a panel that would cover multiple phenotypes, then we'd have to do it one by one and then make a, a, a combined list. So what we've been able to do so far in HGMD, in the professional version, and in, to some extent in the public version, is we've looked for gene names, we've looked for individual mutations, and we've looked for phenotypes. But there's a couple of other things you might want to do to perhaps help understand your variants um, in a bit more detail. And I'm going to go back to the professional version, and I'm going to go to one of our more, um, if you like, advanced search options, under the batch tab and especially if you've been doing um, sequencing what you might um, have been doing is perhaps generating BCF files um, and you might want to see if those variants are in um, HGMD so you can select here your HG I think uh, this one was HG19 and then I'm going to go and try to browse to find my file and then I'm going to select my BCF file, find that, so hopefully, and I'm going to upload the list of variants and fingers crossed you should in a second see this is my VCF file, it contains a, a couple, a few, six different variants couple of them are in, three of them are in CFTR, so associated with cystic fibrosis. These are some cardiomyopathy variants. And this is the variant we've been looking at, this one in TGFB3. And so we can see as well now a few, you know, we could link out to the HGM, HGMD accession um, entry, so we could view that detailed page if we wanted to. Um, but we also see the ClinVar entry with their classification, the dbSNP identifier, and the fact that all of these are disease-causing variants. So um, if this list was longer, I could then prioritize my search using just showing me like the disease causing mutations, or I could restrict it to certain order disorders. So I could choose one of these disorders here in this drop down list and choose one of those to reanalyze a long list. Um, luckily, I only had a list of six variants, so I'm able to see all of these um, in a single in a single search. Now. I hope here I've given you an insight into what HGMD Professional can do and how it compares to the public ver version. 
it's not just the increased number of variants that you have access to, but really the additional information that you have available to you to help you really understand the relevance of the particular variant that you're interested in. So now, Tim, I'm going to stop sharing my screen and hopefully that will allow you to come back um, and share your 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 um, the rest of your presentation. Thank you, Ruth. Um, and I hope that people can uh, see my screen. Good. I can I see your you can. Screen. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so uh, to, to be very quick, so we don't want to go too much time. And sorry for again for all of the problems we've had with On24 platform. Um, all of that beautiful content that's available through HGM uh, D on Professional Online is also available as a downloadable version with tab limited files and a MySQL database. To uh, to summarise. Um, and again, I don't want to dwell on 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 the uh, the schema here, but it is a richly annotated and well organized, structured set of content that will allow um, laboratories and informatics teams to really mine the content that's available in um, uh, in HGMD. There are lots of different use cases that make HGMD Professional download really useful. And obviously the variant lookup and everything that you saw Ruth do is available to do, obviously when you have the data both online and also when you have it as a download. But you can go so much further when you actually have all of that content. You can do that refined variant lookup, actually retrieve not just the reports on single genes or single um, mutations that are there, but actually pull all of the variants that are in all of the genes that relate to a whole range of different phenotypes and be able to do that complex logic of different disease and, and phenotype associations and really pull and mine the variants that have been described within uh, the, the content overall. If you are doing uh, panel designs or you want to try and look at the range and scope that are associated with a, um, a complex diseases or ranges of phenotypes, then you can retrieve all of that information in formats that make it really useful to, for panel design. For example, pull all the variants down in a structure that would be useful as just a bed file of all of those hotspot positions and all of the, the genomic locations for all of those particular variants. Again, and then there are additional tools and additional content and, and information, things like the rank score, a, uh, a numerical value between zero and one that gives you a, 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 from, from uh, AI and machine learning techniques to actually give you some confidence in how strongly that variant may be assessed and be associated with the disease uh, in, that, uh, in that context. And finally, to be able to develop in-house uh, algorithms to actually use that curated high quality content to be able to use uh, uh, that content for, for your own use. The conventional is also available as um, VCF files. So if you do have annotation engines and pipelines that run, then that information about HGMD variants, the disease class, the DM and, and DM question mark and so on, can be added in to your internal uh, processing. This is an example from uh, using the Kyogen CLC Genomics Workbench and Server, where annotation that comes from ClinVar and DBSNP public databases are also augmented 
with the content that comes from HGMD Professional. In the top part of the slide, you can see where I've taken a whole exome uh, uh, data, 323,000 variants uh, in, this, uh, in this set, and focused down to those two variants, which are uh, have a DM uh, classification and have a rank score of greater than 0.6 to really focus on the things that matter within your pipelines. Focus on what is important first, and then look at the rest of the variants. And you can do that with HGMD Professional. Um, last thing to say really on uh, the structure, the underlying structure that HGMD is built on is also available to you within that downloadable uh, database or within that downloadable form. As an example here, this is the concept uh, and phenotype concept um, uh, uh, a table or database, which gives you the ability to see there are over 13 million, nearly 14 million concepts, the disease and phenotype terms from multiple different languages. So if English isn't your primary language and you want to try and find what um, uh, cardiomyopathy is in your language and to find those phenotypes that are in HGMD, then this provides that ability to search and find those. But it also may provide you a structure for other things that you want to do within the laboratory. Finally, just a summary of the different ways that we can access HGMD, the online version that you saw youth, uh, Ruth using, uh, HGMD download that uh, I've just mentioned. We also have HGMD as a software developer license, but also HGMD professional is incorporated within, within other platforms, including QCI uh, Interpret, Kaijin Clinical Insight, which is probably a great segue into Georgios's presentation on the use of, uh, of HGMD in the context and, and the Kyogen uh, clinical knowledge within the QCI interpret interface. So um, I will stop sharing and uh, apologies for all the problems that we've had, but pass over to, uh, uh, to Georgios again. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ruth and Tim for demonstrating uh, HGMD and the information that it entails. Uh, thank you for everybody bearing with us through the, the choppy technical difficulties that have been posed our way. We will be staying in this media player. I hope you can see. You want me to try? You want me to try maybe to share? Try. All right. Just can we confirm that uh, you see my first slide? Patrick, can can you stop sharing so I can try maybe to, to share and if I cannot you can you can share that. Thank you. Let's try. So can you see my slide or not? Huh? I don't. All right, so Patrick, can you please share and then? Absolutely. Thank you. Very good, thank you very much. So again, thanks everyone for the understanding. Uh, I understand that this is very annoying for us and for mostly for you because you spend your time but uh, we have uh, very interesting things here to show, to, you, to show you, as you already saw from Tim, Ruth, and Live. So now I will try to give you an overview of how Kaijin Digital Insights is uh, 
closing the gap in clinical exome completeness when it comes to the interpretation part. Next slide, please. The disclaimer. So let's start with the current landscape of hereditary disease testing. Um, next slide. So as I mentioned before, uh, there is a theory of uh, Hippocrates in ancient Greek medicine about the four humors, the black bile, yellow bile, blood, and phlegm, which were the four important humors for uh, defining, basically, a health or disease status of an individual. Next. Nowadays, uh, we have the four nucleotides, which are basically the, 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 the information that uh, defines the health and disease status of an individual. Next slide, please. Again, one more. And next one, yes. Here we have the hereditary testing field evolution. Uh, as I mentioned previously, now we are in the era of uh, whole exome and whole genome panel. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, and uh, everything is moving towards the multiomics approach. And uh, today, since uh, the whole exome and whole genome uh, investigations are the trend, uh, there are many challenges basically that needs to be solved uh, on this approach. And uh, someone, in order to be uh, efficient in a whole exome or whole genome or clinical exome interpretation, needs to have the right tools, the right information, the right evidences in order to make a proper and correct uh, assessment of a case. Next slide, please. There is a small delay. There we are. So uh, as you see here, we have uh, the last couple of years uh, with the next generation sequencing uh, era, uh, there are many gene uh, discoveries as you can see in these two graphs. And uh, since uh, yesterday, two days ago in OMIM, there were more than uh, 4,400 uh, genes that are known to have uh, an association uh, with a single gene disorder. There are more than 6,000 phenotypes that are associated with these genes. And it is estimated that approximately every day, one new gene is discovered as uh, being uh, associated with a Mendelian or hereditary disorder phenotype. Uh, the estimate of the total number of genes in hereditary diseases and Mendelian diseases is expected to be around 9,000. So we have, we are, someone could say that we are now in the middle of this, of this race. And uh, with the NGS uh, technology, these, uh, uh, these uh, discoveries uh, are moving very, very fast. So now uh, the question is how someone can keep up with all these new findings, these new evidences and new discoveries to keep up with this information in order to make sure that this information is not missed and uh, to, to give uh, the, the right answers to patients. Next answer, next uh, uh, slide, please. And uh, as uh, described before, we have the NGS interpretation from Z to A, from zygote to adult. Uh, next slide. Uh, and this is involved, uh, the hereditary NGS interpretation is involved in different stages of our uh, life. And uh, that's why we need to make sure that uh, through all these different types of tests, like non-invasive uh, prenatal testing, uh, 
infancy testing and newborn screening testing on Mendelian disorders, as well as hereditary cancer. The tools that are used are really up to date. That's extremely important in order to make sure we give answers to patients that are accurate and not noisy. Next slide. So we have uh, more than 25,000 variants in, uh, in whole exome and uh, more than 3 million variants in whole genome. And uh, we need to make sure that we can confidently uh, analyze and of course interpret these uh, results and there are three main key challenges which i will describe to you right now next slide please the first challenge is the faster interpretation and faster around time is extremely important uh, for all the different labs to give uh, answers very fast to uh, back to their patients and families because there are important decisions to be taken moreover uh, in order a lab to have a reliable tool, uh, sometimes they are thinking about developing a tool, which is extremely costly, but also very difficult to do uh, in order to, to, to maintain this information. So uh, it, it, to our experience, uh, we have seen different labs trying their own approaches, but of course you understand that a laboratory has a, 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 a team that is focused on interpretation rather than uh, developing new tools and this is uh, basically our job to develop these tools to make sure that everything is correctly uh, uh, developed and maintained and give you the right tools to uh, do these uh, to do your interpretations and uh, the last but not least the biggest challenge uh, in my opinion is uh, to make sure that someone is staying current and up to date with a new findings and new information that i mentioned before so we are addressing these three challenges Apart from these challenges, now uh, I, will, I will refer some uh, other challenges on the next slide, please, where are uh, seen in the hereditary disease interpretation uh, field. We know that uh, there is a trend uh, towards large panel approach and transition to whole exome and whole genome. And uh, other challenges that someone can think of is a huge amount of data. Uh, the bigger the panel becomes, the bigger interpretation effort is needed. Uh, there is an increased demand for new evidences, as well as periodic reanalysis of undiagnosed cases, uh, but also to keep up with the most recent bibliography. Uh, also, the CNV analysis and interpretation is a, a, a challenge, which we are addressing as well in the QCI, with the QCI Interpret platform. And of course, uh, last but not least, which is the main focus of uh, the today's uh, talk here, is the artificial intelligence versus manually curated content, quantity versus quality. So our suggestion here basically is to combine these two powerful tools, the artificial intelligence and the best in class manually curated content that Kaigen already provides. Next slide, please. Now uh, we will uh, switch to uh, an introduction to the actual tool, to the actual platform and uh, the Kaigen Digital Insights tool. And uh, next slide, please. So uh, I will try here to first give you a brief overview of Kaijin Digital Insights. Our team uh, consists of hundreds of scientists and engineers and other specialists who work daily basically to keep on top of the new clinical literature and to provide products that help translate genomic data into clinical insights or actionable insights. Kaijin Digital Insights provide a variety of products in different areas from academic research on human samples all the way to clinical laboratory testing. And one of the, the fundamental, basically, uh, core things we do is to curate these evidences from the scientific literature and to keep it up to date for you so you can get a constant current view of what's known to be clinically relevant and gain insights into your data 
and clinical results. We are serving more than 90,000 customers worldwide, uh, and our clinical decision support have been cited in over 35,000 publications to date. And uh, the particular product we will be talking today about, uh, as I mentioned before, is the Kaijen Clinical Insight Interpret tool, for which we will uh, show you uh, how it can enable a reliable, fast, and accurate interpretation of clinical exome, uh, which has already been used to interpret over 3 million patient samples to date. Next slide, please. So uh, this, um, uh, the, uh, what, what makes uh, Kaijin the preferred interpretation partners here is basically the, four, the five pillars that you see here, the depth of information, the breadth of information, the quality that you can be sure about the quality of this information, as well as the timeliness because of the very regular updates that we perform, and of course the context uh, of this information, which is uh, very uh, accurate and reliable. Uh, based on the gene and the variant under investigation that you are looking for. Next slide, please. So uh, this uh, knowledge base uh, is uh, fundamental and core to our products for a reliable and fast interpretation. And here, I, I would like to touch a little on our curation process, how, how the manual curation process is done before we jump into the uh, AI, uh, artificial intelligence, and the combination that we do now of our best-in-class manual creation with the AI information. So let's see a little bit the manual creation uh, process. We have hundreds of PhD scientists working on the curation systematically through curation protocols and processes which are uh, rigorously tested and defined. And that provides uh, very high-quality computable evidence, which then can be used to put data that is generated from your NGS runs into context of what's currently known about the variant and mutations that are detected. Evidences uh, are curated from a variety of different sources, such as uh, scientific literature, but we also curate medical guidelines, like uh, practice guidelines, drug labels, clinical trials, as well as molecular data sets, uh, population-wide data sets regarding genomic variation and potential pathogenicity of the variants. So overall, a wide variety of different content sources that are clinically relevant is curated daily, and that is done through a distributed workforce of scientists who are trained on the various protocols we use and read the literature or review the other sources and integrate it into uh, what we call the Kaijin knowledge base. This then enables our uh, various applications, including QCI interpret, compute and combine all the relevant information related to the variant of interest, and of course, to put it into biological context for you. So for over the past 20 years, we have curated over uh, 20 million uh, findings, uh, as, we, as we call them, in order to ensure that geneticists and scientists across the globe are using the most up-to-date information so they can provide accurate but also reliable uh, and fast interpretation of genomic variants to uh, patients affected by hereditary genetic disorders, as well as somatic cancer uh, testing. Next slide, please. <clears throat> So uh, which features, uh, if I would ask you, which features are valued most uh, for you in germline analysis in the different steps? Here we see the analysis platform, which is a sequencer, the germline pipeline, the secondary analysis, and then the germline interpretation and report. Next slide, please. So now, if we focus on the germline and interpretation report only, uh, what would be uh, the number one of these three factors that matters most for you? Some people may choose quality and cost, or quality and speed, or cost and speed, or just cost. 
With Kaijin Digital Insights, we make sure that you have all three of them uh, in uh, one package. So next slide, please. With, uh, by choosing QCI Interpret, you ensure that uh, you can ensure your quality, your speed and cost. And at the same time, you can save, first of all, lives, the time and money as well, the cost of your lab. So in the next slide, please. So if we look now into more details about the platform, Kaijin Clinical Insight Interpret for hereditary disease and oncology, this is a clinical decision support software which accelerates the viral interpretation. It's powered by Kaijin Knowledge Base, provides different filters, prioritized variants uh, based on HMG uh, variant classification, but also on different data sets and databases that are curated daily in uh, Kaijin Knowledge Base. We are providing a high quality phenotype driven ranking based on phenotype information, based on AI-driven uh, model that I will show you in a bit in a clinical case. And of course, it generates uh, evidence-based reports with efficiency. Uh, we, as mentioned already, we provide all the manually curated evidence from literature, and that, of course, saves a tremendous amount of time from your interpretation, because you already know that how, how, how much time someone needs to, to spend going back and forth in PubMed and looking for articles or evidences. So everything is provided in your screen without the need from your side to uh, look for this information. And of course, uh, our platform is ISO 13485 uh, certified with IVDR, of course, also uh, that has been uh, accepted and it's pending just for bureaucrat bureaucratic reasons because many, many uh, companies have submitted to that, that we have passed this uh, test already. Next slide, please. Now we will look into uh, more uh, details of the workflow. So the, the workflow of an NGS starts from the sequencing. Here I have an example of KSEC actionable exome. Then is the secondary analysis that live presented on the first uh, part uh, of the presentation. And then is where QCI interpret comes in from the VCF uh, part to the report. So someone can access QCI Interpret through different ways, uh, through API or through the user interface that we provide, which is a very user-friendly user interface. And basically what uh, you need to have is a VCF file coming out from uh, the secondary analysis. And after that, we do everything automatically for you. We classify the variants, we filter the variants based on quality, and we give you uh, all the necessary steps with just a few clicks to create to create a, a report for uh, your uh, variants. Next slide, please. QCI Interpret uh, is basically a platform that can cover all different hereditary applications as well as somatic testing from hereditary cancer to carrier screening, trio, familial variant analysis, whole genome polyxome and different rare disorders. And of course, somatic testing, as I mentioned. Next slide, please. So is the basically the only interpretation platform out there which contains uh, the most extensive curated evidences and content from literature in order to ensure the high quality interpretation. And this is combined with AI driven content. This is the only platform that is doing that by combining the best in class manually curated content. This content does not exist in any other platform. Uh, is only in Kaja knowledge base. And now we are combining these extremely powerful uh, information with artificial intelligence uh, in our most recent release. And I will show you how effective this is in a bit. 
So we give full transparency on the article, source of all evidences. We have frequent updates of uh, expert curated information, the phenotype-driven ranking that I will uh, showcase in a bit, the AI NLP variant citations, as well as uh, a fully scalable workflow support, including the integration of APIs. And of course, all the contextual information uh, with uh, gene variant and gene disease associations that someone needs for an accurate interpretation. Next slide, please. Some of uh, the features uh, I will very quickly show you here. Uh, just uh, I, I will give you just a flavor of some of them. Uh, First of all, we have uh, all the necessary proprietary interactive filter cascade tools that someone, someone can use and adjust based on, on different needs regarding the confidence, regarding the frequency, regarding the predicted uh, deleteriousness of a variant and many, many other uh, parameters that someone can set in order to filter uh, the variants that they want to investigate uh, further. Of course, we have a fully automated workflow for CNV interpretation uh, based on, ACM, on the latest ACMG guidelines with uh, 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 bibliography evidences for CNVs as well, which enables the user to have uh, an accurate CNV interpretation, which sometimes can be very challenging. Next slide, please. Apart from those, uh, some very important features, uh, and especially when it comes to whole exome, clinical exome, and whole genome sequencing, is the phenotype-driven ranking approach where the user has information about the phenotype and based on only on this information, our platform can basically prioritize and, and uh, rank the variants that are mostly probable to be uh, associated with uh, the phenotype uh, that the user is providing. This is extremely powerful, an extremely powerful tool. I will showcase it to you in a bit. Uh, it has a high accuracy of more than 90% in the top uh, five variants to be ranked. Uh, and is really based on real-world evidences. Uh, it has been developed on real-world uh, evidences and real-world data, and that's why it's, uh, it is basically outspacing any other uh, phenotype-driven ranking uh, tool out there. Uh, the clinical validity tool, which is extremely important because it gives you all the necessary information in order to make sure that what you see on your screen as a phenotype driven ranking information that is uh, really relevant uh, based on gene disease associations and the variant uh, under investigation. It gives you all the information on the phenotype that you have submitted and how this phenotype is linked to this gene. Next slide, please. We have also uh, developed <clears throat> different uh, other tools. I will just give you a quick overview of those. Uh, first of all, we have the triage mode where someone can basically do the assessment directly on the variant list page when it comes to variants that uh, have been seen again, especially uh, an assessment node from the past can also be uh, shown and appear when you see the same variant. So you don't need to spend time on these variants again because you have done a previous assessment on this variant and you can very easily report this variant directly with just a few clicks. Next slide, please. Moreover, we have added uh, extra information, uh, such as uh, the clean bar submissions on the second column that you see here, uh, where you have uh, the different clean bar submissions and the categories of those, like pathogenic, like pathogenic or VAS, in order to have uh, a first reading, if you want, or a first feeling about the potential pathogenicity of the variant as an extra indication based on clean bar. 
Moreover, we provide the number of publications that are shown, as well as the number of findings and, of course, the position uh, of the variant, which is uh, sometimes of extremely important, extreme importance. Next slide, please. Another very useful tool uh, is uh, that uh, in, in, your, uh, in your test, you can basically attach different types of information, data, QC reports, specimen data, or limbs link out to uh, accession from uh, to have accession from QCI interpret. So basically you can store all the different tests of the same patient under the, the case, and you can have a, a single, uh, a single uh, file, if you want, or a single uh, folder with, which combines all the different tests, so you can have a rounded overview of the tests that this patient has uh, undergone. Next slide, please. These are some of the features, not every feature, uh, which at the end enables you to have uh, a customizable and standardized interpretation report. Here, we are, I'm showing you two uh, typical uh, types of reports. The first is about the actionable exome, and the second one is about the carrier screening, where we also provide different information about the, the variant and the disease uh, under investigation and carrier screening. Also, uh, different information about population frequency is shown which is sometimes extremely uh, useful. Now uh, we will jump to the third uh, part of our presentation, which basically is uh, the AI uh, information. Next slide, please. And uh, the, the combination, basically, of uh, the AI uh, with the manually curated content in order to, uh, to bridge the gap and become uh, exome complete when it comes to evidences and uh, bibliography information. So next, next slide, please. In this uh, figure here, you can see the three levels, uh, the horizontal three levels <coughs> that uh, we are basically uh, updating and curating content. The first one is the AI and machine learning curation, which is uh, done in databases and clinical articles for the most prevalent disease genes, uh, which are known to be associated with uh, uh, diseases. And of course, now we are adding uh, extra information on clinical articles for super rare disease genes. This is going through AI information. Uh, moreover, we have the manual curation uh, by uh, hundreds of uh, PhD scientists, which is done by hundreds of PhD scientists, as you see here, uh, for the clinical uh, articles for most of the prevalent disease genes and the different databases, and of course, uh, last but not least, the rigorous uh, quality control for consistency and accuracy. And all these three layers of, uh, uh, extracting of extraction of information provides the high-quality Kaijin knowledge base. So now we are combining the AI-driven literature for thousands of rare disease genes, and uh, basically we fortified at extent our Kaijin proprietary human-certified content in order to provide the complete bibliographic coverage of the clinical exome. We have also now incorporated the AI-trained phenotype-driven ranking, and of course, different other features that are reducing uh, drastically the time needed for prioritization. In our latest release, we have done lots of uh, new improvements uh, and uh, new features uh, incorporated, such as, for example, the PVS1 criterion uh, for ACMG classification that now has uh, full transparency because there are different sub-scenarios for PVS1, and now we give full flexibility on that as well. Uh, next slide, please. 
let's let's see uh, what exactly uh, we are doing now with the AI and augmented molecular intelligence in QCI. Now we are right, we are basically adding artificial intelligence content on top of the manually curated content uh, that we are uh, constantly curating in order to further speed up the interpretation process. I just want to be very, very, very clear that the manually curated uh, content and the curation process that we are following for 20 years, uh, we do not quit that. We are still doing that. We are keep doing. We will keep doing that now even more efficiently and even faster through the support of AI content. Uh, so we provide full transparency on the article source of the content, enhanced content and list of evidences and literature from AI and LT on top of the existing uh, manually created content in order to facilitate the interpretation. And of course, we have now new gene variant and disease phenotype information with new disease filtering capabilities based on the AI information. Next slide, please. Here you can see um, uh, an overview of how this looks in our platform, and I will show you a case in a bit. Now, uh, so far, uh, some of you, you may be already users for, of QCI Interpret. You were seeing these human icons uh, showing up, which means that the content is manually created. Now we have two new icons, the chip, the blue chip and the yellow chip, which uh, indicates that this uh, source of article comes from AI-driven information. We have two colors uh, in order to give you the relevance and the score of relevance of the article to the gene and the variant under investigation. The blue icon is of high confidence. The yellow icon is of high to medium confidence. We are excluding any articles that are medium to low confidence in order not to spend extra time from, from, from your very valuable time uh, in order to, to, to basically clean up this information. Other providers uh, of AI content, they do not provide this, uh, this categorization, if you want, of AI content. And that uh, sometimes uh, has a lot of false positive information there, which you need to clean up and spend more time. So what we are showing you here, it will be only uh, information from AI that are really cleaned up and, uh, and very, very relevant to your variant under investigation. Next slide, please. Here is a typical example of how a variant will look like. And now if we go on the next slide, uh, you will see that uh, the arrows will point the, the blue chips here, which are the new uh, content that we provide. Next slide, please. Yes, this is the AI bibliography content. And uh, on the next slide here is the extra feature that I was just speaking before, the phenotype-related references only. Now we have added uh, new information regarding the context of the phenotype and the context of the disease that is identified in an article. So here you may have, let's say, 50 publications. But if you click on the very top of, of this box here, the show phenotype-related references only, then this will shorten down the list of publications and will keep only the publications that are very relevant to the phenotype or disease under investigation. Next slide, please. And uh, while we're speaking about AI, uh, another uh, layer where we have applied now the AI is our phenotype-driven ranking algorithm. As I mentioned before, someone can give uh, phenotypic information 
and uh, directly have uh, uh, prioritized and ranked the right variants based on different information regarding the gene, the disease, and the investigation, the phenotype, but also variant-specific information such as zygosity, pathogenicity, and may many other parameters of the variant and the gene. On the next slide now, I will jump into uh, two examples, two cases, uh, which can highlight the power of, uh, of uh, the AI-driven, phenotype-driven ranking, and of course, the AI bibliography uh, clinical exome completeness. In this case here, we have uh, a clinical exome case. As you see, we have 999 variants, almost 1,000 variants, uh, which has been uh, filtered out of uh, a couple of thousand variants from a clinical exome case. And uh, these are the high quality variants here that we see. And uh, the information for this patient is, uh, someone can have this information from uh, the clinician or the clinical geneticist. The information that uh, the lab was given is three types of phenotypes. Next slide, please. So in the next uh, slide, you will see the three uh, uh, information that was given uh, to uh, the lab uh, from the clinical geneticist and is a congenital ichthyosiform erythroderma disorder of hair and scaly erythema. So these are the inputs that we give to uh, the phenotype information. These can be HPO terms, or you can upload the file with HPO uh, IDs as well. And now if uh, we apply the symptoms on the next slide, please, we see that uh, normally the, how it looks in the platform is that it's loading a variant list. And after that, on the next slide, we will see that now the variant list has been ha has been ranked and prioritized based on the three uh, phenotypes that we gave. The three phenotypes that we gave are shown on the fourth row where it says candidate disease. And here we have the two top variants uh, is on the SPINK5 gene. And you see three boxes. Uh, two of them are gray. One of them is, more, uh, is darker, uh, like uh, black. And this shows the relevance of the phenotypes based on the variant and the gene uh, that we see there. And now on the next slide, if we look basically on the clinical validity of these findings, in order to be sure about the clinical validity, here's the Netherton syndrome. And on the next slide, please, uh, we will see now the, the clinical uh, validity information, as you see here on the SPINK5 gene, the Netherton syndrome, and how this is linking uh, is linked, excuse me, to uh, our variant under investigation. The three blue dots is the three phenotypes that we gave. And through a network, we see the connection between these three uh, uh, symptoms and phenotypes to our uh, uh, gene and variant. On the next slide, now, if we look for the top variant, the SPINK5 variant, and we go and click on the view bibliography at the very top here, you see on the dust, box. If we click on the view bibliography in order to show all the evidences in bibliography, we see that we have a list of publications. Some of them are manually curated with a human icon. Some others are uh, based on AI content. On the next slide, please, you see more information. Someone can scroll uh, and see more uh, variant uh, information, more bibliography. As you see here, we have more uh, icons like more uh, human uh, manually curated content, but also databases information for this specific SPINK5 variant. And now, 
if we go back now uh, and we click next slide, please, next slide, and we click only on the phenotype related references that you will see right now, this box here, if we click it, on the next slide, you will see that this uh, big list of information of, uh, of uh, uh, bibliography now is focused only on those publications that really contain the information that we gave as input on the phenotype uh, investigation. So we don't just provide information related to the gene or the variant, but also this information can be very specific to your phenotype under investigation. And that saves a tremendous amount of time from your investigation because you can focus on the articles that really maybe contain clinical cases with the same phenotype information, the same symptoms as your patient. Next slide, please. Let's see now another example on another uh, whole exome case now, uh, I, I, which, which shows the importance of the AI content now, not just on the pathogenicity, but uh, as you all know, a big problem of uh, the, 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 the whole exome and whole genome investigation are the variants of unknown significance, right? And also genes that are not very well studied yet. So here we have a, a variant in gene ATP2B3, which is classified as variant of uncertain significance, unknown significance. And if we click on this variant now, on the next slide, we will see the, all the different information. And now if we go on the bibliography and we click on the bibliography, on the next slide, we will see that we have one publication. The important thing here is that this one publication was uh, published very recently, last year, in 2022. And the most important thing is that this publication is based on the new AI-driven content, which means that this article has not been manually curated yet by our team, but we were able to capture that now because we are expanding the capabilities of bibliography content with our AI content. So we provide now articles to users, even for variants that before they were not available uh, to, to our uh, platform. So now we are becoming Exxon complete. Next slide, please. With this, uh, I will summarize here uh, my presentation. And uh, I'd like to thank you very much for your time and to remind you that uh, QCI Interpret is a scalable, standardized uh, streamlined energy as interpretation and reporting workflow. It interprets all types of genetic variations, including uh, uh, the challenging CNVs variants. Uh, and we provide all the different efficient variant filtering and also AI-driven, phenotype-driven ranking tools for blind uh, investigation of a case. Uh, and of course, we combine AI and manually curated content for the best-in-class clinical evidence and faster interpretation. With all these tools in your hands, you can drastically reduce interpretation time, which ultimately will result in reduced turnaround time for your patients. With this, I would like to thank you for your time and again to apologize for all the technical uh, issues uh, we had. Uh, and uh, again, thank you for your understanding and your time today. I will be happy to answer any questions. So thank you very much, uh, Georges, for giving us the, the overview of QTI interpret capabilities. Um, I know we are a little bit over the time of our original agenda, Still, we would squeeze in a, a one or two questions at the end. So if you do have any questions, feel free to post them in the ask a questions box. 
if we don't get to them live, we will make sure to answer them in retrospect too. We have our first question here. Um, one second. How does QCI interpret content compare with content for AI-driven tools? Can you read? The, can you read again the question, please? Yeah. Uh, how does QCI interprets content compare in, in terms of context of AI-driven tools? Uh, with other tools, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as I mentioned in the presentation, um, first of all, uh, the manually curated content uh, is uh, of an extremely uh, is extremely important. There are different opinions in the field that uh, manually curated content is more reliable than AI. And other, others think that AI is the way to go. Personally, and we all in Kaijin, we think that uh, the best approach is basically to combine uh, the best-in-class manually curated content that we have with the AI approach. Now, being more specific uh, regarding the AI content that we provide, the biggest differentiator of our uh, AI content uh, against other uh, tools that they provide AI content is that we basically provide the transparency of the AI content in order the user to know the relevance of a finding, of an AI uh, content finding, excuse me, and how relevant that is. Other providers, they just provide blindly everything that comes out of uh, AI, which is a lot of information, yes, but at the same time, a lot of times, basically, uh, I would say every time, it contains also false positive information. What we do is that we are excluding this false positive information so the users won't spend time, on, uh, extra time, basically, on cleaning up this information. So that's a big differentiator. Plus, uh, the fact that this AI is combined with the best-in-class manually curated content from our uh, scientists. All right, awesome. We have a, a two-part question. Um, is it possible to analyze whole exome trio analysis also with regard to de novo and recessive, etc. Yeah, yes, of course, uh, we have uh, different uh, options. Uh, someone can upload multiple samples from the same family and do a familial variant analysis. And uh, yes, you can you can do these types of analysis as well and uh, to include the CNVs as well. I see the second part there is also asking for CNVs, yeah. All right, uh, that answers the second part of the question already too. Awesome. Um, and one final question regarding the phenotype-driven ranking, the example that you showed, um, how does that work with diseases that are not very well characterized? Yeah, yeah that's a very good question. So uh, phenotype-driven ranking, basically, when it comes to, uh, when we speak about phenotype-driven ranking, the, we are looking first for the, those diseases that are kind of characterized. And of course, for those diseases and genes that are not well studied, the, the advantage of QCI uh, phenotype-driven ranking is that we have multiple types of evidences and associations in Kyogen knowledge base that a human being cannot really uh, associate that easily as we do on the back end in Kyogen knowledge base. So in that aspect, when it comes to diseases that are not very well characterized, I would say that uh, we are performing extremely well compared to, to other tools. Of course, these diseases by definition, are not well characterized yet. And that's why uh, the prioritization may be a little bit lower, because uh, these th there are not yet enough evidences for this type of information. However, uh, we are working also with uh, research uh, institutions 
uh, we, who are using the phenotype-driven ranking for the discovery of new genes and associations between uh, variants, genes, and diseases. And uh, I have to admit that we have uh, very, very positive results so far. And uh, basically, a couple of publications are coming uh, soon. All right, awesome. In that case, I would... Uh, are there more questions from you? Uh, one question, how to prioritize candidate diseases uh, with symptoms and patients? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, basically, uh, I think th this question maybe came before I presented uh, the thing that you ranking. It comes uh, the way that I uh, saw the, uh, on this clinical case. You provide your VCF file, and then this VCF file uh, can be fed with phenotype information that you may have for this patient. When you provide the phenotype information, then automatically uh, our phenotype-driven ranking is ranking and filtering, basically, uh, the, the variants in order to show you uh, the most probable variants that are the candidate gene and variants for this specific phenotype that has been given as an input by the user. All right. In that case, I think this uh, concludes our Q&A session. Thank you so much, uh, Georges, for taking the time and powering through our technical difficulties. I'd like to thank all other panelists, too, for their presentations and demonstrations. So thank you, Live. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Ruth. And most importantly, thank you to all attendees who, who've taken the time out of their day today. Um, I'd like to remind you that this was uh, part one of our Clinical Hereditary Disease Diagnostic Summit. Part two will take place on November um, at 10 a.m. Central European time, hopefully without a hitch and any technical, technical difficulties. Again, thank you for your time, and we look forward to seeing you on November 9th. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you.